us again. Brother George, appreciate you coming this morning. How many of you heard Brother George before? You got a lot of friends here, brother. How many have? The rest of you, right? All right. Yeah, some that have Some that have Two. I just had one friend. I got one, here, so one that's good. One of them, at least two or three. But we do appreciate you coming. And you just take all the time you need, brother. Oh, don't ever tell a Baptist preacher that. I'm going to be in the kitchen. Oh, good. <laughs> that is dangerous. All the time you need. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, Pastor Steve said, his mom said, thank you for all the prayers. All right. Did everyone catch that, Brother Steve, Brother Rutherford? And ask that everybody be thankful. Uh, Thanks for the prayers that lifted up. Well, Brother Steve, uh, God bless you and, uh, and your mama. And uh, prayed this morning for him. Tried to call you, but he didn't get his phone. So, amen. Open, uh, if you will, open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Apostle Paul was a jailbird, and he was a jailbird while he was writing this uh, this book to the Philippian brethren, Philippian church, and starting in verse seven, uh, verse eight, I'd like to start in chapter one, verse one, and go to the end. The whole book is so rich, isn't it? But we'll focus on uh, verses 8 and 9 today. Philippians chapter 4, beginning verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, Whatsoever things are of good report, and if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, listen to these next words, think on these things, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We know how comforting it is, how challenging, how convicting, and yet it's a, a book that is full of hope. A book that gives us cause for joy unspeakable. Book that is written so that the Apostle Paul can say rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice. And as we thank you for sparing through the years the, the writings of this book, we thank you for the privilege that today we can open it up. We can learn from it. We'll look at some things today that to a great extent we know and yet we so need to be reminded of in this tumultuous time. 
I ask you to be with me, help me to, to be able to have clarity of mind, to recall, and to share this word in a way that your Holy Spirit can use to challenge each of us who know you as Savior. And if there be anyone here that does not know you as Savior, if according to the scripture they're lost in their sin, I pray that something will be said that will remind them that there is hope in Jesus. They'll open their hearts today and let Jesus in. For it's in my Savior's name that I offer this praise and I ask your help and your blessing. Amen. Amen. I don't know if this is going to be a sermon or what it's going to be, but it's going to be something. <laughs> when I was uh, teaching at our school, and I haven't for a while now, I'd remind the young preacher students, I'd say, boys, there's two ways to go about a sermon. You can either go out and get you a sermon. There's plenty of them out there. You can go on the internet. And you can go you know, all sorts of books. You can get you a sermon. Or, you can let a sermon get you. Any idea which is God's way? Amen. Well, last... Ten days for Carol and my wife, which I'm thankful to have with me today, for both of us, this has been a roller coaster, a tumultuous about ten days. And and I as the weekend came yesterday and as I was had been trying to focus my thoughts, I just it just wasn't working. It just wouldn't come together. And I dealt with so many emotions. About ten days ago, Carol and I sat in a courtroom. And we heard the arraignment of a young man that was tall and handsome, about 27 years old. Looked like just a fine young specimen. Clean cut young man. The only problem was he was a druggie. And didn't acknowledge it. And like so many... Some of you may be here today, and I, I counseled with a lot when I was in the Army. You know, they've become the best manipulators and con artists in the world. They can convince themselves black is white, and they can convince themselves that they can convince you that black is white. And that young man who had driven on the wrong side of the road, high on drugs, repeated, hit two of our grandsons head on. Killed him instantly. He was okay. As he came to court, I, I had not seen him. And we were just praying for him and his family. We said, my goodness, what they're having to go through. We just prayed that if he didn't know the Lord, he'd come to the Lord and we were just sure that surely he would be repentant. But you know, he stood there and he pled not guilty. The judge said, okay, we'll set a trial date. And he turned around as he walked out. There was a big grin on his face. And I could see it. I could say, oh boy, you've been successful. You've been able to make people all around you enablers, made Make them responsible for you. 
And you've always been able to talk your way through and out of things. And I can see on his face, I know how to do it. I know how to get through this jury. It'll be okay. I didn't even take it seriously. Well, I'll have to tell you. Did you know preachers are capable of getting angry? And I was in part of the world where I had to have, I had to go around and I had to have some special training. So I have no doubt I could have jumped up and I could have, I could have killed that man. All sorts of emotions going through. Emotions of disappointment saying, man, I've been praying for you. You know, and then you act like this and you won't even take it serious. Can you imagine the emotions? Well, it wasn't God saying you ought to kill him. You know, but I'm still in this flesh, huh? As I tell people so often when they're sharing that they've not done exactly what they wanted to, I say, you know what your problem is? You hadn't died and gone to heaven yet. Anybody else got that problem? Yeah. So I struggled with that. And I said, Lord, you know, this man, what he needs is Jesus, his family. I don't know them. I don't know anything about them. But what they're going through and what we're going through. And so a lot of emotions... And then I had the emotion, of, I've got a daughter in Arkansas that, uh, single parent, got a new job. It was a new town and needing an apartment desperately and dad was trying to help her locate one and get settled in. And she had fallen and fractured her elbow and was in a cast from that. You know, everything just, and here I am, you know, and there she was and so many emotions there. And then we got a contract on a house that we've been trying to sell for five months. <laughs> you know, so it was up and down, and that was such a joy. And then I had a little bit of time, and I said, man, I need to just kind of, kind of calm down a little bit, and, you know, just kind of, and, you know, as a chaplain, I try to be patriotic. And I said, well, there's hearings for a, a judge from the Supreme Court. I think I'll just sit down and listen to those. <laughs> that didn't calm me down. Anybody else listen to any of those hearings? Man. What a sad, sad time in America. Huh? Where are the statesmen? And so all of these things going on. And so right on through yesterday, I was saying, George, God, George Garner needs some work. And I'm supposed to stand before the people and Preach Sunday. You know where God directed my heart? Right here. Think on 
these things. Now, I'm told that the average man in America, I don't know about women, statistics may not hold for women, but so the average man in America has about, make sure I get it right, 10,000 thoughts run through his mind per day. And that means about 3,500,000 thoughts a year. Now that means George Garner's puny little brain has got a lot of energy flowing through generating and dealing with all these thoughts. Now if that's going to happen, I have to say, George Garner, you need to you know, you just got so many years. You're, you know, 73, and, uh, and uh, you've got a thoughts you got left coming. What are they going to be? What about your thoughts? What are your thoughts? Well, he tells us what God wants our th thoughts to focus on. And he lists six different things. And, and that's six. Six. Yeah. Six different things. Now I want to give you all an assignment for this week, okay? Fair enough? I mean, I took the time to come here. That's the least y'all do for me. I want us to look at each of these thoughts. And I want you to look especially to each thought on a given day, Monday through Saturday of this week. And let's start with the first thought that we're given. So Monday, I'd ask you to give some special thought about what? He said, whatsoever things are true. Now, the question was asked in the scripture, what is truth? What is truth? Well, Truth is basically whatever corresponds to reality. If I make a truth claim and I say this is a pen, is that true? Is it true? How can we say it's true? Because my claim corresponds to reality. If I said this is a pen, writing pen because no. it doesn't correspond to reality does it? now Jesus said I am the truth Amen. you see he is the ultimate he is the point of reference for what is true if I make a truth claim and it corresponds to Jesus truth claim truth. If I make a truth claim and it doesn't correspond to Jesus who is truth, it's not truth. Pretty simple, isn't it? And so we need to, we need to first of all, as the scripture point out, we need to think about those things that are actually true. Now, Satan doesn't like that. So what does he try to get us to do? 
he likes us to think about, well, imagine, the imagination. You know, I found in counseling as an army chaplain, one of the biggest things that leads to problems in marriage is the imagination. The wife gets to imagining some things about her husband. The husband gets to imagining some things about the wife, you know. Satan loves it. Satan loves it. He can take that imagination and he can just nurture it and build it up. And so much of our fears, so much of our doubts, so much of our even struggles in terms of human relationships with one another is because we fail to just look at what's really the situation. So it's a pretty good place to start, isn't it? Whatsoever things are, are true. Then it says whatsoever things are honest. Now this is a phrase that means worthy of respect. Also means not deceitful. <laughs> William Blake uh, said... A truth that's told with bad intent beats all the lies you can invent. So, not only be concerned about truth, truth can kill, can't it? That's why the scripture says, speak the truth in love. In love. And it's easy to Speak the truth. You know, people say, well, I just, you know, I just say what I think. I just say what I know. Some things were better left unsaid, aren't they? And when they are said, they're to be said in a way that is worthy of respect. Said in a way and thought in a way that will be respectful in the sight of God. And then, things that are just. You know, you, I picture in my mind Lady Justice holding balance, isn't she? Huh? The scales. The scales. And in the Old Testament, I'm still in, the, well, I just finished up. just started in Matthew in my reading through the Bible in the year, which I do each year. But through, through the Old Testament, so often God used the scales. The scales. And uh, I, I remember uh, those scales hit me right between the eyes uh, after my daughter was diagnosed with a long-term terminal illness. And I ended up a single parent caring for her and baby at diapers. And, and in my mind, I just said, well, this just isn't just. This isn't, isn't right. She deserves better than that. I can say that out loud. She deserves better than that. But you know what I was thinking? I'm not perfect, but I deserve better than this. I don't deserve this. I'm trying to serve you, Lord. I'm trying to be a good Christian. Boom! But then I remembered Paul, and he talked about what he deserved and he used a simple, simple little four-letter word. 
D-U-N-G. And you know, hit me right between the eyes. I didn't have to put the scales there. Here's old George Garner saying, Lord, I, I, I deserve, you know, I don't deserve this. I, I, you ever get to feel that way? Lord, I know I'm not perfect. Oh, what a sinner am I. But back in the mind, the pride, isn't it? Yeah, well, back in our mind, regardless, I, I don't deserve quite this bad. There's George Garner. And over here's Paul saying, let me share with you what I deserve. Dumb. <laughs> Woo! Attention. And so Paul said, you know, think about this. Think about those things that are just. Focus your mind. Direct your heart. Direct your steps. Your eyes. Your ears. Your hands. Your, your every part of your being. Seek to that which is just. Just is what? Just as what conforms to God's standard of what is right. So, uh, I've got to run along here. We're getting down to, actually, that would be Wednesday. Tuesday would be uh, honest. Wednesday, just. But it doesn't stop there. He said, whatsoever things are Pure. This means morally clean. Doesn't mean perfect. Morally clean. Think on these things. Now, someone might say, well, preacher, I have bad thoughts. I hope nobody here has that problem. Will anybody here ever have bad thoughts? Raise your hand if you have any you ever have bad thoughts, okay, the rest of your life, according to Yeah. 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 You see, bad thoughts in themselves are not sin. Why do I say that? Because in the book of Hebrews, we're told that Jesus was tempted in all points as we are. You get what I say? Have you thought about that? One of the most precious parts of Jesus sacrificed for my sins. Not just the beating, not just the rejection, but he lowered himself to the point that he allowed himself as a man to be bombarded, not with a thought or two, but tempted in all points as we are, and yet without sin. Have you thought of that? See, it's not the temptation that's the sin. It's what you do with the temptation. And that's the challenge. That's the challenge. That's Thursday. So, think about that. And each time when you find your thoughts getting away from that which is pure, What's the Bible say? Flee the very appearance of evil. It may not even be evil, but brother, if it or sister, if it's appearing that way, get away from it. 
Get away from me. And then next, things that are lovely. This is Friday. Oh, Friday's going to be a lovely day. It's, it's got to be. Whatsoever things are lovely. Now this word is a word that's built around the word phileto. And it's the kind of friendship, bonding, relationship. And I want to challenge you. I'm going to give you a homework assignment. Everybody here. How many are members of this church? Would you raise your hands? Okay. Thank you. This is specifically for you. Other people that are here that are not members, you're invited to join in the same process. Listen. Think about things that are lovely. Things that build and strengthen friendships. And I want you to find at least one other person. Say, God, put at least one other person on my heart. Maybe a new convert. Maybe a recent member. Maybe somebody that's been here for years. I mean, not even be Brother Barr. <laughs> but find and think about it and say, Lord, Help me as I look at your word and as I submit to the tender drawing of your spirit. Help me to look at myself. God, help me to look at George Garner and ask, what would you have me to do? What would you have me to be? To make that relationship with that brother or that sister, it may be good already, Maybe sorry, I have a lot of work. But maybe good already. But what can I do to make that relationship even stronger? Because you know as we do that, do you think the church will be better off? Amen. Amen. How many of you will accept that as a Friday work assignment? Amen. Raise your hand. Okay, the rest of you, pray for the rest. I'm going to be doing that Friday. Fair enough? And then comes Saturday. Hmm. Things that are of good report. It's a phrase that means whatever. Things that are well spoken of. Good repute. The The opposite to that would be stop and think a minute. Kind of help me come up with something. If you're talking about somebody and it's not a matter that is godly and good and helpful and truth and love but you're talking about somebody and it's not that. What might it be called? Anybody? Huh? Gossip. Gossip. Gossip is a killer, isn't it? Gossip is a killer. And so there's no accident that before he said things of good report that he said, think on these things that are lovely. Because that shape shapes our communication, doesn't it? 
Now, like I said, I don't know if you'd call this a sermon or what, but George Gardner needed it. And as I started looking at it and saying, oh God, nothing's being accomplished when my thoughts go back to that young man grinning and my old flesh wants to be stirred with anger. No. Nothing's accomplished by that. It doesn't help him, doesn't help me. All it helps is Satan. Makes him rejoice. Doesn't it? Gotta be honest. I gotta make sure that the choices I make in my thoughts conform to your standard of what they should be. And when they're not, flee the very. Look at my own heart. Say, oh God. I think of the prophet of the Old Testament who said, I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. I'll tell you this as you read the scripture. If you don't feel that way, and if I don't feel that way, we've got a pride problem. Now, God doesn't want us to feel that way to become depressed and defeated. He wants us to feel that way and to see ourselves that way so that we'll look to Him and His strength. You know, to me, one of the most beautiful passages is the story of Paul having the thorn in the flesh. He said, oh God, remove it. Oh God, remove it. God came to him and said, Paul, you're just not praying right. And, and he prayed again. Paul said, and the Lord said, now Paul, you just don't have enough faith. Is that what he said? No. He didn't criticize him at all for his prayer. He had a thorn in the flesh. It was natural to say, Lord, help. Get rid of it. That was what he thought was the answer. But oh, that beautiful passage in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Where he said, my grace is sufficient for thee. Amen. For in weakness, my strength is made perfect. And Paul went on to say, therefore I will glory in my infirmities. That the power of Christ might rest upon me. How did he do it? This passage that I read was not new to Paul. You read his life and you see that that was a part of his daily journey. To focus on truth. To seek to be honest with God, with others, and be honest with himself. To make sure that his standard he was seeking to live it out for God's standards. To look at his daily heart. For as a man thinketh in the heart, so is he. And a purity and a cleanness that Jesus can give. He was constantly seeking to build strength and friendships. We need that, don't we? And he was trying to watch his tongue as the gospel 
book of James so ably and powerfully speaks. And what did Paul say? Now, folks, now that you've heard this, do it. Do it. You see, just hearing it, saying, okay, God, here's my checklist. Work on that. Now go out and do it. God helped George Garner this week to do it. Because he promised that if I will, he gave the P word. George Garner, we're going to have peace. How many would like to have this coming week true peace? You know we can have it regardless of what the Senate does. We can have it regardless of what those about us may do. But it has to begin through him. And that's why leading up to this verse that I looked at today, when Paul said rejoice, his very next words were, in the Lord. Are you in the Lord? If not, if you don't know Christ to save you, you can.